Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. Hi and welcome to episode 53 and in this episode I build on last week where I introduced the three elements of shifting ourselves to a more to those more sustainable health habits so we can reclaim our former you know, energy, strength, fitness, and just feel more comfortable in our own skin. And this week, I'm going to focus on the power of our life zones. So I'm going to keep that phrase for now as a working title. Um, you know, it's those food activity zones in work, rest, and play, you know, that kind of thing, and how we can shift them to support our goals. And I'll get into that very shortly. By way of a related update, um, my Operation D-Move efforts do continue. So check out, as I said, mentioned last week, in episodes 34 and 35 and my update episode 41, if you want to uh, understand what I'm talking about with Operation D-Move. In a nutshell, it is my effort that having been on a journey for the last few years to sustainable weight loss, I have got to that point uh, of losing, a, uh, I think it's a stone and a half now off the top of my head, um, uh, at that point, plateauing a little bit but then reinvigorating it with this operation demove approach and with that sort of breaking things down into uh three habits i call it that one the the cabbage slice and sprout plan you know one goal operation demove sort of lose the man boobs for those of you who aren't familiar with demove as a phrase um torn up and just improve general areas of fitness and health um so the the that's the one goal the three slices are the eat move rest and the nine sprouts if you like or three in each of those areas three key goals mini goals or aims in terms of habit fulfillment or just to do's so they eat move and rest i won't go into too much detail around that because that's in operation 34 and 35 but in terms of it my update is yep continuing to move in the right direction had a weaker norovirus which not me we're not just me but the, everybody off for for a week and before you go thinking well how much weight did you lose dave i do not recommend it as a weight loss approach yes i lost weight um, but it came back on as soon as I resumed normal business. And th this, is, incidentally, is an interesting one because the old me, the old stories around it would have been, oh, right, how do I keep this weight off? Um, and then when it slipped back on inevitably, because it has, um, because it wasn't real weight loss, it was part of the consequence of not being ill, not consuming even fluids or food for a while. I did consume some fluids, but I struggled to keep it down. But the point is, it's not genuine, it's not real. So the old me would have spent time sort of being hopeful, but then beating myself up for not maintaining it. The new me is about recognizing that self cabotage. It's undermining my efforts and my direction of travel. So I need to make, and my motivation as well, but I need to make sure that. My, I shift that story. I catch it and then challenge it. So I challenge it with, right, okay, Dave, it's not real. It's not real. It's not genuine. It is going to return. Prepare yourself for that. Not that it you know, particularly was too devastated because I'd already managed that expectation. And keep on with the original plan. So that self-talk becomes more pragmatic, practical, realistic, and focused less on and zero on this uh, criticizing myself and more on, well, what can we do to get back on track? So, yeah. So anyway, I am improving, so there's that, but I am improving my fitness and I'm noticing things like um, in the CrossFit, my, you know, incremental improvements, which are starting to really be encouraging. And it's funny how the small things, if you focus on the small improvements, you do get a lot of fulfillment from them. So I managed my first strict pull-up. Some of you may be out there being able to do them a lot, but a, a strict pull-up 
was something I really struggled with and I've managed to do it. My next aim is to get four in a row so that I can start learning the kipping pull-ups and, and different techniques. Uh, I can do a handstand hold against a wall now and uh, hold the handstand uh, quite comfortably. It's still hard work, but that's the next one. Next thing is to be able to move flex, perhaps even do a handstand push-up. That's a way down the line. But these little wins spur me on. And I think this is where focusing on the sprout-sized incremental improvements is where, in terms of mindset and well-being motivation, if we take heart in those, we will stay on track. So they do, they really do help. And, and overall, in terms of the review, I feel like my body's changing. And, and I did say, actually, in 34 and 35, there's no pics, or episode 35, there's no pics. But actually, I found some pictures of me in 2020 or when I was embarking on this, just this new approach, um, and compare them with a picture that I took of myself this week. And there are definite changes. The the kind of profile images, if you like, are there's less space. <laughs> to, it seems like a shrunk, although I might not have appreciated that I'm, I've lost that weight and I'm toning up, it's evident. And yes, it's, I'm not there by a long shot. It's not where I want to be in terms of my own goals, et cetera, and aspirations, but it's really encouraging. So no, you're not getting to see those pictures. <laughs> but anyway, so the point is, without the pressure of a deadline, I can focus on the habits, and that's the key, and that's what I've been doing. And yes, the pressure deadlines does fall in. If I'm saying, oh, I'm going to Spain a couple of weeks, oh, man, but you talk yourself around and away from that, and you focus on embedding the habits, tweaking them, experimenting with them, and shaping them to support your goals more and more. So this week, I want to explore the power of that of the environment in our life. Um Focus on you know food and activity zones and and, and what have you, but don't forget uh, pop over to the uh, restlessmidlifer.com and um, check out the, uh, the the podcast. You can subscribe, you can review it, uh, which would be great if you could do that. You can also find out more about my reshape accelerator programs, the membership, the academy, uh, and you can also get in touch with me, Dave at restlessmidlifer.com. Okay, so. Let's get on to the idea of the how do we reshape our life zones um, and how do we help them move in the direction of contributing to our health, either by supporting the healthier habits, you know, um, or at least not getting in the way. And it goes back to that principle I mentioned last week. We are habitual humans. We're creatures of habit and we rely on many things to trigger us into particular behavior and to trigger those habits. Time, you know, place, environment, the context, the conversations, the people we meet, there's lots of things, but our context and our environment play a huge part in this. So I guess the first question is, how do your environments cue you in to the habits? And is that process cueing you into helpful or harmful habits when it comes to your health and the goals that you want? And let's be honest, for many of us, um, it we're we're in a world that is abundant with tasty processed highly calorific food and coupled with that with high you know the barrage of messaging not just from the paid professionals whose job it is to get you to consume this but our social networks you know that we food is a really social thing and it, so it's natural so the point is that we are surrounded by that and we face that barrage of nudges prompts and and downright instructions to just indulge go on you you know you work hard you deserve it this will be a good pick me up it's beer o'clock let's relax that kind of thing and what we I, what i want to tune us into and what we miss is the fact that this shapes even the most personal of our environments our homes our kitchen our living rooms our bedrooms 
all of those are shaped by a lot of these messages. I mean, fashion, you know, what, what decoration um, you have in your house is a, a classic example. But so is things like our food zones, our eating zones, our relaxation and our inactivity zones. How do we shape these towards the goals we want rather than them shape, moving us away from them towards more convenience and more, you know, more of that mindless, unhealthy habits than the, the, the more healthy approach. And this is the thing because we, we spend a lot of our time because we're habitual humans. We spend a lot of our time on automatic mindlessly moving through our day. And that's why I guess mindfulness as a, as an activity has captured the imagination of, of so many people. There is growing research to show the benefits of it. That idea of being present to and being more aware, noticing the food that you eat, tasting the food that you eat, having a conversation and actually being present there. That mindfulness, you know, there's lots of benefits to it, but it's, I, I think that's why it's probably captured a lot of our imaginations because we do spend a lot of our day just drudging through the grind and getting things done and just not being present to it. And this is where that mindlessness, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I think it's just a natural part of being human. We spend a lot of our time on automatic. That's just the way it is. That's why mindful practice can help us just reduce that a little bit and challenge that a little bit more. But being 100% mindful, I don't think is an achievable or even a desirable place to be. But mindlessness, albeit it's not a bad thing, it can then couple up with those environmental cues, the, the, the places, the colours, the smells, the adverts, the, the voices, the, the conversation to lead us in that not so helpful direction. And that's where we find ourselves mindlessly consuming. And let's be right, I can't be the only one who has cracked open a big bottle of beer. They're bigger these days, aren't they, the big bottles of beer? Um, and grab a bag of crisps or, or nachos or something like that, slump on the couch, switch on the TV, turn on an episode of Ted Lasso, and proceed to consume the lot without even noticing or tasting very much, if any of it. And that is the challenge because we mindlessly do that. And this is how we often end up consuming far more than we realize and not even getting the benefit of enjoying it. Yes, there's some psychological hit, if you like, behind the scenes. You know, there's emotional comfort. There's the, the fact that we're doing something with our hands, all of that kind of thing. I actually spoke to somebody the other day, friend, who says, I crochet rather than um, binge or not binge, I crochet rather than uh, pick on, you know, nibble and, and pick on at the biscuits. And I think that's probably, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And there's a lot of gets to the heart of the truth that we're actually doing this mindlessly, but it's giving ourselves something to do. Anyway, so how do we do this? Well, firstly, as I hinted before, it's not by becoming totally mindfulness, uh, mindful. Uh, that's probably unrealistic. In fact, I would say it's pretty unrealistic. So what do we do? Well, the question is, given our tendency towards relying on automation, on those habits and the cues, can we leverage mindlessness, which is not a bad thing, as I've said, to work for us rather than against us? And this is where I'm going to introduce um, a couple of books, one this week and then one when I talk about the habit side of things by a, a research hero of mine, Professor Brian Wansink, who um, is a food behavior researcher, uh, eating behavior researcher at Cornell University. And he, in this particular episode, I'm gonna talk about a book called Slip, Slim by Design, or reference it anyway. Uh, I'll mention another book of his uh, in, in a couple of weeks time. But <laughs> Professor Wansink's work is focused around that behavior. What is it about eating behavior? How do we do it? What are cues that lead us to consuming more versus less? Um, and uh, what part aspects of this 
is mindless rather than mindful. Um, and in terms of, and I'll come back to the habit side of things in a couple of weeks, but the Slim by Design book talks about some research that Professor Wansink and his team did in a particular city in America a few years back now, where they took, I think it was a couple of thousand households, and they assessed the homes and the people in them from multiple angles, multiple loads of detail from um, the person, their size, their weight, their gender, um, their habits, their routines and rituals in the day, down to which door do they go in and out to work from, for example, to their environment, their bedroom, their living room, their kitchen. What is the kitchen like? Where is the food? What's on display on the benches? What's away in the fridge? Where are things? And they kind of calculate, collected all this data and identify some really, really amazing findings. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on that because if, you know, if you want to read that, it's a great book, Slim by Design. I do recommend it. And, and it does feature in part of the programs, the, Re, the Reshape Accelerator. When I look at Zone, this research helps support that as well. Because what we're, what um, amongst other things, Professor Wansing and his team found was that the cues, the way that we set up our day-to-day -day behaviors can have a significant impact on whether we are heavier than whatever the average is, than, you know, than somebody else. <music> A quick update, the Restless Midlifer Academy is now open and I'm also running a series of six-week reshape accelerator programs aimed at getting your health, weight and self-confidence back on track. Head over to restlessmidlifer.com to check out the programs. Simple things like if you are somebody who comes in from work and you enter your home into the kitchen versus you're somebody who comes in the home from, say, the front of the house um, and you don't have the kitchen as your direct first entry, then there is, a, on average, a, a weight increase. You are likely to be heavier in, in weight than those who don't have the kitchen cues there. They're not directly there. Now, that can be, you know, that can that can actually be a significant increase. Now, what I'm not saying is suddenly, well, if you change going in the front door, you're going to have a dramatic change in, in weight. That's not the point of it. What it, The point is that that mindless activities, you know, we, we're not aware. We do it for convenience because maybe the parking space is at the back of the house, for example. We do it, but that lends itself to mindlessly queuing us into perhaps opening the fridge or grabbing something or doing some unconscious mindless behavior. And this is the power of it. And it's things like that and also, where are the snacks and how easily accessible are they? Are they, you know, as typically in a typical fridge, if you imagine a fridge, you've got your fruit, your fruit and veg probably tucked away in the fruit and veg drawer at the bottom of the fridge. Snacks are tucked away on a shelf on the side of the fridge or in, at eye level, if you've got chocolates, that kind of thing. Um, versus, have you got some a bowl of fruit out on your bench or cereal visible on your bench? And research shows, again, Professor Wansing's research shows that if there's a bowl of fruit versus cereal boxes on the bench, then that's going to have a positive impact on overall weight versus uh, by having the fruit on it rather than the cereal. Uh, in, in effect, what we're talking about here, and this is where I could go into detail, but I want you to just, uh, I guess, as a key activity from the day, is start to recognize the power of those food environments. Start to look at your your food environments, both home and work as key areas. Um, I'll touch on restaurants and that kind of thing in terms of the habitual behaviors, but those areas, start to look at them with that aware eye, that critical eye of noticing what potentially here is queuing me in. Are there particular, um, are the sweets 
the crisps, you know, the, the, the processed unhealthy food, are they more accessible? Are they easily accessible? Are they scattered around the kitchen so they're in multiple places so that, you know, I'm never within more than an arm's reach for the, the crisps or the sweets? And how can we start to notice that coupled with the rituals and routines and start to add in some friction, I call it, into the system. And this is not necessarily to transform so that we start to have dramatic weight loss in a week or something like that. This is to recognize that by doing this, we can start to have a, an impact on the mindless behaviors. So some of the tips that um, Professor Wansing and his team suggest are things like have one place, one location, for any sweets, treats, etc., and make that particularly just a little, well, particularly difficult or awkward to get to. So it's not in sight. It's more awkward to get to. You perhaps have to reach round behind something and pull open, you know, click open a box, etc., to get to it. And that can have that just to add that little bit of friction. Have it in one place rather than multiple, so you have to relearn, but that place is awkward. Have the healthier stuff more visible. So an, a suggestion that they made was to reverse that, that idea, put your fruit and veg more eye line and your sweets in the in the bottom tree. Incidentally, I did that here and it drove Leslie mad for a while. Um, and it wasn't sustainable in that sense. But what we ended up doing was recognizing that actually just putting the chocolates that we want, because I like a bit of chocolate from the fridge. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to stir up a debate, a hot debate on that one, but the point is I do. Um, and having them in a, a sealed Tupperware tub low and outside just means it's not queuing me as soon as I open the fridge for a, the milk to make a coffee, that kind of thing. And that's the point. How can we just make it more difficult? Can we put something healthier in a visible place and easy accessible? So whether it's fruit or just something else, whatever that is, um, and can we just make it more awkward? And then things like even uh, one of the things that Professor Wonsi talks about is breaking packaging, your treat packaging down into 100 calorie packs, you know, um, bags or something like that to separate it out. So you can also unconsciously pick a smaller portion. So anyway, that, that's just the thoughts really around it. It's really to tie in to the, the idea that the, the environment, the place that you um, are working and living is powerful and has the power to work towards or against. So what is the environment of work, for example? Is somebody always bringing in the, the, the cakes, the biscuits? Are you a calorie dumper? You know, you, you're on a plan, you bring it in and you're dumping the calories with so everybody else can have it, not you. But in effect, we're contributing to a culture of we celebrate with sweets or that kind of thing. Where are the treats? Where are they kept? And how can you develop a bit of a, a workspace? And I know we're in post, well, post, we're in COVID times, recovering times, all that kind of thing. So it's a little bit different. We're working hybrid, et cetera, which brings an added challenge of the biscuits are always on hand if you're working from home, that kind of thing. How can you start to make some some tweaks? So my challenge to you is to, with that awareness, that critical eye, see if you can identify three things that you could change and experiment with. It's not guaranteed to work, but experiment in a way where you just change them and leave them and see if you can live with those for at least a few weeks to until to see if you can get used to the idea of them being in the new place or that not being available or as readily available. So you can identify three things, make those changes and then leave them to there. You might have to negotiate with family. It's always good to do that, to get them on board with this um, and to communicate with that. But see if we can get that process of just critical eye on it to start building them in. We start small, start with two or three changes. As the meatloaf song says, two out of three and bad. If you can get three, great, but two's better. 
Two's two's good, two is better than one, etc. Make the changes and then see what we can build on. Start to tune in to the power of your environment. That's my suggestion for this week. Um, and uh, next week, I want to build in the narratives, the stories that we tell ourselves and explore that bit in relation to health and then the week after in terms of habits and what have you. So hope that's useful and a, a task for you to do. Take care for now. I'll catch you next week. Oh, don't forget to check out the Friday bonus interview is the part two with Mark Telford. And as I mentioned last week, in this one, Mark talks about how to you how to organize your batching of your food prep so that you can have healthier food on hand more easily and conveniently available ties into this episode perfectly in a way that you then can choose that it's tasty healthy and you're not at a place where you think oh i haven't got anything let's get a takeaway or i haven't got anything to work let's just pop out the the logo whatever and grab and in particularly talks about um prepping his lunches as he takes to work. I share in that my, at the end of it, five minutes or so, my experiment, my attempts at it, and how it's actually been really, really beneficial. It's a learning process, um, so don't go all or nothing in it, but listen to that episode. It's a really good episode in terms of um, building that and helping to reshape your environment, as we've talked about today, to support your goals rather than to work, actively work against them. Take care for now. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links, and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow restless midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Gory Adventure. <laughs>